Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, I'm joined by one of my favorite guests over the years, MLB.com's Allison Footer. Great to have you back, Allison. And I'm wondering, will you get much of a breather this offseason with the CBA cloud looming over baseball? I mean, there's never a breather in the offseason for us. So we kind of get busier, actually, in the offseason. We laugh about it because as soon as the World Series is over, we're like, oh, now we get to have some downtime. And there's not really any downtime. So regardless of what the CBA, I don't have any information on the CBA. But regardless of what's going on with that, it's just kind of, as the GMs are saying right now at the GM meetings, business as usual. Yeah, I do want to ask you just a couple of things about the CBA later in the conversation. But looming over the Astros is Carlos Correa. There have already been reports they've offered five years 160 million dollars for Korea from everything we know Korea wants a longer term deal than that is there even in your mind a five percent or one percent chance he stays in Houston oh I don't think there's any chance I mean that's not going to get it done and um and I mean we've we know what the market is for Carlos Correa and that's not it so um so the Astros you know they're they're saying what they need to say, which is like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, make a competitive offer. And <laughs> um, that's not going to be it. So, um, you know, they've never really I mean, they never were, were really in uh, on George Springer. You know, it was sort of a foregone conclusion that he was going to be gone. And, um, you know, I don't know that Correa is going to be able to get like Francisco Lindor money, but I think that's what he's looking for. And I think it's more like the longevity of a contract in addition to the dollars. And, um, and I just expect that there will be other teams that will bid higher than the Astros. Was this just a formality, just a way to make it show that to the fans that they're offering something to him? I mean, I guess, you know, offering what they offered is kind of like not making an offer though. I mean, they offered him a couple of things at spring training last year and he turned that down too. And this isn't much different. So I don't know the ins and outs of all the conversations that have happened, but um, if they want that to be a starting point, then, then that's maybe what it is. But I mean, anybody who listened to Correa's uh, press conference after the world series loss, I mean, this was definitely a goodbye. This is not like the first time that, you know, a, a, a huge player has left a team for free agency and gone elsewhere. I mean, this is sort of standard and um, you know, the Astros could have, I guess, like waited and, 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 and sort of gauged what the market is and then made an offer. Um, but this isn't even a floor. I mean, whatever, I don't remember the exact number, but it's in the hundred million somewhere. And I mean, that's not, that's not an offer. So um, that's just not how free agency works. And that's not like what the dollars are in our industry right now. So um, he is the best shortstop on the free agent market. And um, and there will be players that will get more than that, that are lesser players. So, um, you know, I, I think the Yankees are going to be interested. I, the Tigers are definitely going to be interested uh, with AJ Hinch there. And um, they have a really good relationship. So, um, you know, if you make it, if you want to retain your own free agent, you make them like what, what the Mets kind of did after they got Lindor is like, they just like gave him a, an extremely lucrative contract that ensures that he's never going to, leave you know that that takes him probably till the end of his career um you know the Astros signed Jose Altuve to a modest deal and Alex Bregman to a modest deal like these aren't long-term contracts there's like four or five maybe six years um that's what they do so I think that's what we should anticipate is going to happen uh, moving forward where do you think they go to replace him is it Jeremy Pena or is there a free agent shortstop or two you're keeping an eye on 
I don't know what they're, I don't think Pena is ready yet. They'll probably have like maybe a stopgap. Um, there's a couple like lesser, you know, Andrew, the Andrew, Andrew Tim Simmons uh, sort of caliber player. I mean, there are some, um, but I, you know, they, they would probably have to just get like a stopgap. Stop I mean, it's very difficult to replace that position. That is one of the most important positions on the field. Um, so that's where it's different from like a Springer is like, you're losing like a fabulous player. You're also losing like, one of you know a player who plays one of the hardest positions on the field at the most elite level um and so that's it's just very difficult to to fill that role we just had the news that justin verlander threw off the mound in front of a bunch of scouts around baseball the astros threw out a qualifying offer he's got a good relationship with jim crane not to say that the qualifying offer gets it done but is there any chance that he ends up back in houston i think there's a chance i mean relationships don't really matter i think you know these there's a lot of like kind of things that you hear about, Oh, you know, like even like with Freddie Freeman, like, Oh, why would he leave the Braves? It's like, this is business. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Verlander likes Jim Crane and he would probably like the next owner that he would play for too. But, um, but I, yeah, I don't know how that's going to go, but it was like kind of a no brainer to, um, you know, to give him that qualifying offer and, um, and we'll see if he takes it. I mean, the reports sound really good from the workout that he had, um, you know, you have to kind of temper your enthusiasm a little bit when a guy's just like throwing in a, you know, non-competitive situation and not really ramping it up hundred percent. But if he feels good and he looks good, then that's the first step. He's going to be 39 next spring. So this isn't going to be like a, a given that he's going to be able to come back and be at his old form. But even, you know, if he's a little bit less than his old form, and this is a first ballot hall of famer Sunday. So, um, so I think that any team would probably, you know, be intrigued if there's like a modest contract to be had. Is it a bad look that he's already thrown 97 miles an hour just a week after the season? And, you know, there's a lot of Astros fans that were wondering, well, you know, couldn't he have just done this a few weeks ago? Or do you think that's just not being realistic about what you have with Tommy John surgery? No, he couldn't have come back into a, into a postseason um, situation. I mean, there's no way there's, you can throw 97 off a mound in a, in a relaxed environment. And that's much different than having to ramp it up. And, um, you know, there are stressful innings and there are non-stressful innings and postseason innings are very stressful. And like, there's no way like he would have been able to come back after not even like really playing in the regular season at all. Um, so no, I mean, you know, there are questions as to, I mean, he did, he did have the surgery a couple months later than he probably could have. Um, I, I thought at the time when he had the surgery, when he did, I thought, well, if he had had this a little bit earlier, he could have used September of 2021 to audition for his next contract to show teams, you know, to be able to come back and pitch into some, in some regular season games and maybe um, show teams that he, he can come back. Uh, but as far as the postseason, though, that was completely out of the question. Would you guess that the Astros try to keep Kendall Graveman and Yimmy Garcia? I guess they, they need a bullpen. Anyone would tell you that if you ignore the bullpen and you look really, really good with everything else, you're going to lose a lot of games. So I, they would be, uh, I don't, I don't know what their payroll restrictions are. I mean, they seem to have money to spend. They've got money coming off the books and they, they were paying Verlander like $30 million this past season and not to pitch. Um, so yeah, I think they'll be looking at that. I think that if you know, um, if, if you know what relievers can bring, um, then you have to you have to at least consider retaining them because uh, once they feel comfortable in your organization and and they were able to have some success, um, bullpens are very hard to build. They're very easy to fall apart, and uh, and and 
you know, a lot of teams still don't seem to get that. But um, to me, you start with the bullpen when you're building your, when you're building your roster for the next season. So we'll see. There's some big names, starting pitchers on the market, Robbie Ray, Scherzer, Gaussman, Rodon to start with. Uh, do you see any mutual interest with the Astros and one of these bigger names or maybe somebody I haven't mentioned? Um, I mean, some of like the huge names, I don't know that they'll really be going after that, but yeah, I mean, I would think that any, most of the people that you mentioned, I, I don't think that the Astros are going to be sitting on the sidelines. I, I do not know, like, I mean, I have not had conversations with like anybody on the inside of the organization. So I'm just, you know, split, spitballing here, but they are, um, they're not in a position right now where I think they're like, we're really maxed out on funds and we can't, um, you know, we can't really go for any big names. I just don't, they're just not going to sign any crazy contracts, but I, I think they'll be involved and, um, and looking at everyone, which is what everybody kind of does. But for a, a team that's competitive, obviously they're, they've been very competitive for the last many years. Um, I don't see them like trying to like slide down to where they're kind of starting over. Brent Strom said he's leaving the Astros, but he didn't use the word retirement. He described the meeting that he had with the Astros about a month before the season ended. His wording intimated, Allison, that his leaving had to do with letting a couple of his pitching coaches potentially take over his role. I, I, to me, I, I kind of thought this, and I, I'm wondering what you think. Do you, do you think his leaving was about the Astros wanting to move on so that they wouldn't lose their young coaches or do you really feel like this was a mutual decision and, and that Strom was ready to leave the Astros? I think this was totally Brent's decision. I mean, I don't think there was a like a parting of ways, as they call it in this industry. Um, it just sounded like he had um, kind of reached the end of the road with with what he was doing. It's a very taxing job. It's very time consuming. Um, and, uh, you know, he seemed pretty emotional. I mean, he was very emotional when he just... You know, I mean, he was talking to reporters after the World Series just about the pitching performance in the World Series. So he was uh, approached uh, just to get some perspective on like, you know, some of the good and some of the not so good that they saw from a lot of pitchers um, in the World Series. And so then he just kind of threw that out. <laughs> so uh, it was really surprising to everybody. Nobody saw that coming. So, you know, whatever reasons he has, I mean, Brent has, and I take it at his word for what he um, what he told everyone, which was just kind of that he was ready to just not do that anymore and ready to kind of step aside. And I, I don't know that he doesn't want to still be in the game in some capacity um, or maybe even in the organization, but there's a lot of pitching jobs that aren't major league pitching coach. You know, there's a lot of roving instructors or consultants or advisors. So he's got such a knowledge and he was such a master at combining you know, the, the lifetime of knowledge that he has about pitching and about coaching. Uh, and he was able to, to combine that with all of the modern information that he was able to get on a daily basis from the Astros front office. And it worked beautifully. And, uh, you know, I think he's the oldest pitching coach in the league. If not, then one of the oldest, and he is uh, one of the most successful, one of the best ones the Astros have ever had. So it's a good lesson for everybody in the industry to see that there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you could be a good coach. Sure. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about Bregman's wrist surgery this week because, you know, it comes out during game six of the world series where Ken Rosenthal quoted Bregman saying that this had been an issue all year. It's the first I'd heard about it. Was this news to everyone covering the team or did I miss this story? 
I mean, I think that everybody sort of knew that there was, I mean, he wasn't like fully healthy. Um, I mean, there was clearly something wrong with him during the World Series. Um, not, this was not a big shock that when he had surgery. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not like there on a daily basis. So I don't know exactly like all the conversations that were going on. But, um, you know, the question that will not be asked, <laughs> which should, uh, it just never ceases to amaze me like that nobody's asking the questions that need to be asked, which is like, why was he playing? Um, I, I don't really want to hear like, well, Alex Bregman at 70% is uh, better than anybody else at, you know, hundred percent, which is actually not true because once you take, you know, if you have a broken bone in your hand or there's something like really, really holding you back, then you actually can't perform at even a fraction of the level that you need to. Um, they have a perfectly good, uh, option in Aledmus Diaz who sat on the bench. Um, and so, no, it wouldn't be like peak Alex Bregman, which is what you ideally want, but that wasn't an option. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the process was. I don't know what the thought process was. I have not been able to like speak to Dusty Baker directly. I mean, obviously when these, when he had surgery, like everything was already over, the press conference has already happened, but, um, you know, that was a big hole in that lineup when Alex wasn't able to really go full force. And I think that's unfortunate. Yeah, you just said exactly what I thought. And I was thinking as it was going on. And frankly, even if it was the leg problems, I mean, for two or three months, Allison, he, he was not the same guy. And Aledmus Diaz is not just any guy. He's a really, really good third baseman that has performed fantastically for the Astros over the last couple of years. Yeah, he's a great player. I mean, he's a very... It's, great player. He's a really, really good serviceable, serviceable player. And they didn't miss a step when Alex was out and Aledmus was playing. Um, and that's the, you know, I was kind of crunching the numbers a little bit in the middle of the season. Um, and I looked at, you know, like OPS and, and some of the offensive team numbers during the time that Alex was out. And actually they, <clears throat> they didn't really um, suffer that much because they had, you know, that's, that's called depth. You know, that's what every organization wants and the Astros have really good depth. So um, you know, again, like, I don't want to just make these like blanket assumptions, but I would like to, um, to just ask the question, like, was there a consideration to maybe not playing Bregman? That's a really tough call, but I think we saw what happened. Um, and you just wonder if it could have been different. Maybe it wouldn't have, you know, but it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough when you're, when you're trying, when you're dependent on that kind of strength of your offense and, um, and then it just completely gets shut down. Now, the other thing is that the Braves have a really good pitching staff. I mean, anybody that you play in the world series, any teams that get as far as the world series, I mean, every facet of the, of the team is going to be very good. So you're going to run into really good pitching. And, um, and, you know, this isn't like a Thursday night game against the Pittsburgh pirates. So <laughs> there's that too. But, um, but yeah, it, there, there are, I think there's just questions that need to be asked. Yeah, speaking of questions that needed to be asked, and I, I don't know what you can tell us at this point, but what is the buzz about the CBA, and and how do you feel like this could unfold over the next couple of months? I I I'm really not going to go there, Robert. I don't know. Um, I'm just reading along with everybody else, and um, I just don't have anything else. You know, I we all are hoping that a deal gets done, and the fact that the CBA is expiring during the off season is helpful. <laughs> And, uh, and that's where, you know, that's really the only thing I can say on that. Do you feel like it could play any role at all in, in free agency for the Astros or anybody else? No, I mean, maybe it'll delay it a little bit, but, um, 
but you know, free agents, the big name free agents, they, they sign pretty late anyway. It seems to get later and later. Um, and so, um, you know, that might have a, a little bit of a factor, but the GMs are in at the GM meetings right now and they're all conducting business as usual. So I think that's kind of where we're at. I don't know what you've heard about potential baseball rule changes over the off season, but with the CBA, I guess there's a lot of openings for potential rule changes. What could we see this off season changing to, to, to next year with, with the CBA or just in, in period? Yeah, I, I, I was hoping that the universal DH finally is implemented. Um, it's time and it's not for the reasons that maybe other people have, but if you look at the, the schedule and just how many interleague games are now being played, um, that it just doesn't make any sense to have two different rules in two different leagues anymore. It was fine when you played like, you know, 11 or 15, 15 maybe interleague games. And it was sort of like this special little thing, but teams are like playing 30 plus interleague games now. And the problem is that there's an interleague game every day. Um, there has to be with the, with the, t- the leagues being balanced 15 and 15. So if you are an American league team and you are fighting for a division title going into the last weekend of the season, and you happen to have a series in a national league city and you lose your DH for the weekend, you know, you, you have to shuffle your lineup. You have to completely change uh, your lineup and, and so what got you there may not work for those last few games. And maybe you, you know, you're a game behind or a game up or whatever it is. Um, and I just feel like everybody needs to be playing under the same rules. If you're going to have, if you're going to have this many um, interleague games, it's really cool when you're a national league team and you go into an American league city and you're like, cool, we get, you know, one of our bench guys to get in the lineup every day at all. Our pitchers don't have to hit. Um, but you know, if you reverse it, it's not so good. And, um, and I'd like the world series to just be, you know, DHs the whole way through. And so that's what I, that's what I'm personally hoping for. And I think that most, most baseball people are on board with it. National league owners that are kind of like maybe set in their ways, um, are probably going to push back a little bit, but I think it'll get done. Let me put you in the meetings and say, if Allison could talk to the players and owners, are, are there rule changes or is, is there anything that you would, you're just like, ah, oh, I wish they would do this besides the DH. Is there anything else that that's just frustrated you or you think that could change and maybe help the sport a little bit? I mean, honestly, some of the things that I've always wanted to happen did, which is like, you can't expand your rosters to 40 in September. There's going to be a limit. There's like, it's like 28, um, yeah, it just completely changed what baseball games looked like in September. It wasn't even like the same game in some in some circumstances when uh, when you can just like make so many pitching changes. And I know there's like the three batter minimum rule now, which has kind of um, helped that along. But the stuff that I wanted to see, I, I personally would be fine with the extra the the runner on second base and extra innings, maybe starting in the eleventh inning. Um, I understand why people don't like that, but it, it actually like was very cool when, when it happened. Um, it added a, a bit of intrigue and extra, extra innings that we've really never been used to before. It did shorten the games. Um, and you know, it's funny because the managers liked it. The GMs liked it. That's the thing that nobody talks about. It's like, well, I don't have to burn through my bullpen. You know, if you have a 17 inning game, you got to make like two roster moves after the game to get two new arms in. And if you're in Houston, you know, if, let's say the Astros are in Seattle you know, and their triple A team is in Texas and you've got to make this transfer. Um, it's not so easy. It, it kind of protects the health of the relievers and it protects the overall roster health. Um, 
So I, I really like that, but I don't know that that's sticking around and I would anticipate it probably isn't. I also would love to see a, like a regular feature of like seven inning double headers, like every Sunday, you know, or something like that. Um, I don't think that's going to happen either, but these are cool things that are fan friendly that can be good for business. Um, and uh, we'll see, you know, how that all turns out. Are we any closer to a pitch clock? I think so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely experimenting with a ton of stuff in the minor leagues and they'll bring it, you know, to the forefront when it's time. But I think we need that. <laughs> we, it's yeah, four hour, four hour uh, postseason games are uh, yeah, fresh on all of our minds. And uh, it would be nice to move things along a little quicker. <laughs> I agree with all of that. Uh, everything that you said is uh, I'm hundred percent behind. Um, you're at Allison footer on Twitter. Is there anything that you're working on right now? We should be looking out for story-wise uh, in the next couple of weeks. Not particularly. No, I'm uh, doing a lot of editing. I'm doing a lot of uh, kind of behind the scenes work and uh, I don't have any like major like writing projects. We just put a power rankings up today. So the Astros are six. So everybody can uh, yell at me for that. But um, <laughs> it's like kind of the way too early power rankings looking at 2022. Um, and so uh, that's, that's up today. All right. Well, that sounds fantastic. So good to catch up with you, Allison. Thanks so much for joining us and looking forward to the off season and what's in store for the Astros, but always great to have you on. Thanks, Allison. Thank you for having me, Robert. Take care. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.